And this is Andrew Wood. It's another week. I'm the Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Do we have a lot to talk about today? So last week what we did was we, we kind of looked at uh, the, the consequences of the leak from the Supreme Court dealing with Roe v. Wade and why that's important. And if that majority opinion holds, why that is important for the pro-life movement, because it means Roe is gone and uh, it goes back to the states. So today what I want to do because we've had a week of this now. So, so now we've had a whole week of people saying things and making comments and protesting and arguing. And we've had the administration kind of be silent on Supreme Court justices being attacked, their homes being, uh, their, their home addresses being leaked online and protests outside of the houses of Supreme Court justices. And you have the president and his administration saying, uh, well, there's just a lot of passionate people. So what that's going to do is, again, it's going to hurt the institution of the Supreme Court, uh, which doesn't need to happen. We need a president, regardless of where they stand on the issue. We should have a president of the United States that is willing to say, and I don't care if that president is a Republican or a Democrat, they should be able to say to people in this country, do not go to the personal homes of politicians, of Supreme Court justices, and protest them in a way that is violent and aggressive and angry. We should have a president, whether they're Republican or Democrat, that is telling folks, do not go to churches and break windows and spray paint and make people feel unsafe because you disagree with the stance that they have. That is not how we do democracy. That is not how we live together in a civil uh, society. But what we've seen over the last week is we've seen Catholic churches be uh, graffitied up, seen their windows broken. We've seen pregnancy centers around the country be have their windows broken and graffitied up. We've seen pro-life advocacy groups have their windows broken, and, and people are telling them if, if abortion is not going to be safe, then you're not going to be safe either. And, and it needs to be called out. And the elected leaders in our country, Republican and Democrat, should be calling this nonsense out. But they're not going to because Roe is the golden calf. Abortion is the golden calf. So there's a number of things that, that I want to get to today. And I don't, know, uh, I don't know if we'll be able to get to everything, uh, but, but I'm going to do my best to cover the topics uh, over the last week. So there, there's a piece over at Washington Examiner written by Tim Carney, uh, who's a senior columnist there. Uh, and it's an interesting piece that, that I think we need to, uh, to take some, some time to go through. The Supreme Court may finally overturn Roe v. Wade and uphold Mississippi's abortion law, banning almost all abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. The news media and the Democrats want you to think this is an extreme position. It's not. On both questions, Questions, Mississippi's abortion law and the substance of Roe v. Wade, the draft opinion by Justice Samuel, L, Samuel Alito that we talked about last week, represents the majority view of U.S. residents. Begin with the law in question here. Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban, a very recent YouGov poll on abortion, found that 21% would ban all abortions. An additional 20% would ban abortions after a heartbeat is detected. That's at six weeks. Another 13% would ban them after the first trimester. That's 13 weeks. An additional 10% would ban abortion after 15 weeks, which is what Mississippi does. 
add it together, and it means that 64% of people in the United States believe Mississippi's law is either the right call or too liberal on abortion. To uphold this law is to side with the opinion of nearly two-thirds of Americans on abortion policy. But Leto's opinion wouldn't end there. He would strike down Roe and thus return abortion to the states and to the democratic realm of lawmaking. Not everything should be subject to democracy, of course, which is why we have a Bill of Rights. But it is extreme to say, as Alito does, that abortion law shouldn't be determined by the Supreme Court. Not at all. Some polls suggest that most people in America agree with Alito on that score. Others show a split opinion. Here's a more recent poll on Roe and the Supreme Court from YouGov. Pollsters asked whether the federal government or the state governments should set abortion law and opinions were fairly split. Learning 40 or leaning 44% to 36% in favor of the federal government settling it. Of those who said the federal government should set abortion policy, only 24% said that within the federal government, the judicial branch, quote, is best suited to deciding on abortion's legality. Combine those last two questions, and that's 24% of 44%, about 11% of the country that believes the Supreme Court should be setting abortion policy. Only that blue slice in the poll below that, again, if you see the article, you'll understand this, sides with Roe on the constitutional question. Under Roe, it was the Supreme Court that set abortion policy. Alito's draft opinion would, in its own words, quote, return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. At the Washington Examiner, 18 months ago, we commissioned a poll that asked the question differently. Should states be allowed to regulate or ban abortion as they see fit? Or should federal courts protect abortion from regulation? It was an even split, with a plurality of independent saying states should have the power to regulate. So why do so many people tell pollsters they think Roe shouldn't be overturned? It's because most people do not understand Roe and don't understand that overturning it returns the issue to lawmakers and the states. Yeah, that look, I've heard it all week long. I heard it on a newscast. I was interviewed by a local station here last week, and I talked to the reporter for 20 minutes. They played, I don't know, 20 seconds, if that, of what I said. But leading into the segment, the news anchor said, we're here talking about Roe v. Wade and Roe may be overturned, outlawing abortion across the land. That is inaccurate. I mean, we're living in a, in a time where everybody's a fact checker. Everybody is saying, oh, that's misinformation. That's disinformation. You're wrong. You're lying. Here's the reality, folks. If Roe is overturned tomorrow, it goes back to the states. Now, there are some states in the union that have trigger laws. Trigger laws that say if Roe is overturned, abortion will be outlawed in this state or abortion will be restricted in this state up to eight weeks or, or whatever it may be. They all may look a little bit different. But there's a lot of conservative red states that do not have trigger laws. that do not have laws on the books that restrict abortion. And then there's a lot of blue states that have gone the other direction. A lot of blue states that have said you can get an abortion here up to nine months. You've had states over the last couple of years that have been preparing for the ending of Roe, like New York and Illinois, that have said, we're going to make it so you can get an abortion up to nine months of pregnancy. If you watched a couple of years ago, there was a legislator out of Virginia when asked, 
Does this bill that you're presenting allow for abortion up to the moment of delivery? And her answer was, it does. Folks, that's not pro-choice. That's pro-abortion. There's a lot of people claiming they're not pro-abortion, but their actions and their words are saying something very different. And so let we, we have to first start there. I'm not encouraging you, <clears throat> excuse me, to have arguments on social media because they go nowhere and they're worthless and they're, they're a waste of your time and they're creating more anxiety and chaos in our lives than we need. But if you have conversations one-on-one with people in your life and they say to you, well, if Roe is overturned, abortion is outlawed everywhere, look them in the eye in a nice and calm manner and say, that is not accurate. And then they're going to press you on that. And your response is, what overturning Roe does is allows it to go back to the states. And then the states can decide through their elected officials, not through a a Supreme Court that is not elected. You know, there's a lot of people saying, well, uh, we don't need white men to give us or take abortion away from us. But they were okay with a bunch of white men in black robes giving us Roe. Back in 1973, pulling it out of their hind end, out of thin air, where it's nowhere to be found in the Constitution. They're okay with it then, because why? Because it went their way. Folks, we need to be consistent. And so either the institution matters and should be respected, or it doesn't. We can't have it both ways, where we say, well, we... we, celebrate and love the institution when they vote or when they decide a case in our favor, but we degrade that institution when they decide a case in the other side's favor. And that's where we're finding ourselves right now. We have a lot of left-leaning pro-abortion proponents that say the institution matters, we need to celebrate the norms, yet they are calling for the stacking of the Supreme Court They're calling for the protesting of Supreme Court justices at their home. They're they're actually standing outside of their homes. Justice Alito and his family have been have now have been moved to an undisclosed safe location out of fear for his safety. And our president isn't saying anything about that. When the press secretary is asked about the, the chief justice or the, the judges having their, their addresses doxed and their identity and everything doxed and all that information for public knowledge. When groups have released map, uh, Google Maps with pins showing where these folks live, the press secretary says, look, there's a lot of passionate people that are worried about their rights being taken away. No, that is not the response. The response is the Supreme Court has a job to do. And sometimes their job requires them to make some very difficult decisions. And sometimes those decisions don't go our way. And when those decisions don't go our way, we look for avenues via the legislative process. Why? Because we're a free republic. And we're able to do that. And so if you don't like the way a court decided something, you have legislative means to to go after that. We do not encourage or stand by while our justices are being protested at their personal homes, where their young kids live, where their spouses live. Their neighbors shouldn't be subject to this either. 
That should be the response. But of course, that's not going to be the response. Why? Because they believe in the mob mentality. And I'm just going to let you know, there's a lot of folks right now on social media and other places that are being very vocal. You have people that are, that are super pro-life being very vocal. You have people that are pro-abortion being very vocal. And, and look, the reality is the super pro-life people like me, you're not going to change my mind. Like I, my heels are dug in. There's no changing my mind. And then you have some pro-abortion people that are super vocal. And for a lot of them, you're not going to change their mind. Their heels are dug in. I've even heard some of them this past week say things like they're not human in the womb. That's why I'm okay with abortion. They're not even human. If they're, if they're believing that and saying those things, look, don't waste your time. You might as well go and, and just beat your head up against a brick wall. That's, that's what you're doing the same thing. But here's the reality. There's a lot of folks that are somewhere in the middle, and they're watching. They're hearing the arguments from the pro-lifer. They're hearing the arguments from the pro-abortion uh, advocate. And they're watching, and they're making up their mind. Who's going to be more persuadable? And so the question is, here, I think, now, we can look at polls, and I just went through some of those. The polls show that the vast majority of the populace believe in some type of restriction for abortion. But when they're asked, do you want to see Roe overturned, they say no. Why? Because they believe that if Roe is overturned, it is, makes abortion illegal around the country. It doesn't. But see, the pollsters are not asking that question. They're not saying, they're not giving context and saying, hey, Roe would send it back to the states. Are you okay with it going back to the states? When you ask people that, vast majority say, yes, we're fine with that. We'd much rather our elected leaders make those decisions than Supreme Court justices. And that's all Alito, in his opinion, is trying to do. Is say, look, it's not up to us to legislate. It's up to legislators in different states in this union to legislate. And that's what we should be doing. And so people are watching. And, and here's what my gut is telling me. There's a lot of people that may say they're pro-choice, that when they start hearing the pro-abortion proponents spelling out what they want in their state, I think many of them are going to say, well, well, when I say I'm pro-choice, I don't mean up to the moment of delivery. I don't mean all the way through nine months. I don't mean in the second trimester. I don't mean in the third trimester. So we'll see how it plays out. When we come back, what I want to do is look at the numbers. You know, a lot of, a lot of things get talked about and a lot of... Uh, we hear people say, well, what about rape, incest, life of the mother? Let's talk about it. A lot of people don't want to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. And let's look at the data and see why that information keeps getting brought up. We'll talk about it when we come back. So as we continue the conversation, look, last week I kind of walked through the opinion. We highlighted some uh, some portions of that opinion that I think was important for you to uh, to grasp and, and understand. This week, what I want to do is is look at all that we've heard since the, the opinion was leaked. Leaked. Now we're, we're getting to a place of, of, okay, now there's a lot of nonsense being said, a lot of uh, disinformation, a lot of untruths. Um, and, and so what we're finding 
is one thing that keeps coming up, and I've heard this multiple times, even when I sat down with a reporter uh, the other day. She asked me specifically about rape, incest, life of the mother. And, and yeah, that, that's going to get brought up. Because when, when a pro-lifer says, like me, okay, when, when I say I am pro-life 100% of the time, people immediately go, oh, well, rape, incest, life of the mother, what about it? How do you stand on that? What do you feel about that? And what they're trying to do is get you in a trap, okay? So if you're debating or having a conversation, they're going to paint you as an evil person. How could you tell somebody that had been raped that they have to have that baby? How could you tell somebody that was a victim of incest that they should have that baby? And so when we have these conversations, it's important that we do so with grace, with humility, with, with understanding that in that moment that, that we're not, uh, we're not going to take away the trauma, that, that we're going we're gonna to understand that, that in those scenarios, those are terrible, terrible atrocities. No one should be raped. No one should be a victim of incest. But, but the reason why the abortion proponent brings that up is they're trying to paint the pro-lifer as a callous human being. But the reality is we're not a callous human being. Now, sure, there are some callous human beings on both sides, certainly. But we're not, I'm not saying that from a place of malice or, or anger or hate for my fellow man. I'm, I'm saying that we need to look at the data we need to look at the data. And what does the data say? 0.001% represents a pregnancy that resulted from an incestuous relationship. 0.001%. That's how many abortions represent incest. Make note of that. Again, doesn't take away the fact that there are some people in our society that are victim to that. We need to recognize that. We need to create support for them. We need to be there for them. We need to rally around them. We need to arrest the person that, that made them a victim. We need to do all those things. But data matters. Point zero, zero, one percent equals incest, abortion because of incest. So now that the question is, the woman's life was endangered by the pregnancy. 0.065%. 0.065%. The woman's life was endangered by the pregnancy. Again, we don't need to neglect that there are still women that are facing that. And that's a delicate situation, a dangerous situation. But when we're having this conversation from a logical perspective... Data matters. Point zero six five percent the woman's life was in danger that it resulted in abortion. Point zero eight five percent the woman was raped. Point zero eight five percent the woman was raped and chose abortion. Again, don't take away the fact that this is a terrible atrocity. Women should not be raped. They should not be a victim to that. And the person that, that raped them should be uh, charged, convicted at the, 
with everything that, that the law allows. Point two eight eight percent the woman's physical health was threatened by the pregnancy. Point two eight eight percent. Point two nine four percent the woman's psychological health was threatened by the pregnancy. Point two nine four percent the woman's psychological health was threatened by the pregnancy. Point six 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 percent there was a serious fetal abnormality. So again, less than 1%, there was a serious fetal abnormality. 6.268%, the woman aborted for social or economic reasons. 6.268%, the woman aborted for social or economic reasons. Now, here's this last stat that I'm about to give you. 92.330%, the reason for abortion, no reason, just elective. An elective procedure, 92.330%. So, what does that mean? Look, here's the reality. When, when these numbers get brought up, when these numbers get brought up, they, they do it in a way that makes you think the vast majority of abortions are done because of Financial reasons, they do it because they a vast majority of abortions are done because of rape or incest. They, they bring these numbers up to make you think that the vast majority of abortions are done because of the health of the mom. They bring these numbers up and they, they bring these issues up. They don't bring the numbers up. They bring the issue up because they want you to think that, that the vast majority of abortions are done because of the psychological health of the mom, the financial situation, rape, and incest. When the reality is over 90% of all abortions are done electively for no certain reason at all. So when we have these conversations, this is, I've said this multiple times on the show. Look, I'm 100% pro-life. I believe when we pass legislation, we need to be honest and upfront about it. If it's a human being, no matter how it was conceived, it's a human being that deserves rights in the womb. But what they often say is, when, when we say, hey, we're passing legislation to restrict abortion, we're told, what about rape, incest, life of the mother? So what I would do is pull the, call their bluff. And say, I'm so glad you brought that up. And, and we do know that there's situations where, where that is the case. And abortion happens because of rape, incest, life of the mother. So since you are on the same page with that, we will compromise. And we will, we will write a piece of legislation that restricts all other abortions. But, but we'll carve out a, a piece of the legislation to, to leave room for life of the mother rape and incest. And then what that pro-abortion proponent is going to do is look at you and say, oh no, I don't, I don't agree with that piece of legislation. And then you'll say, well, hold on, I thought your biggest concern was rape, incest, life of the mother. If that's your biggest concern, can you not agree with us on a piece of legislation that, that makes exceptions for that? And they're going to look at you and say, well, no, because we don't believe there should be any exceptions to abortion. So then you should look at them and go, well, so you're okay with over 90% of abortions being done electively for no reason at all. And they're going to say, well, yeah, because it's, the, it's up to the mom. It's up to the woman. 
or, or as they're saying now in, in crazy time in 2022, it's up to the pregnant person because we all know that, that pregnant people can be men or women or a cat. No, it's nonsense. And so what they're trying to do is get you to seem callous. What they're trying to do is get you to stumble. And so then they wonder why. They, they say things like, well, pro-life people just refuse to compromise. That's hogwash. All we've done is compromised. Most pro-life legislation makes exceptions for rape, incest, life of the mother. You know who's not compromising? The state of New York, the state of California, the state of Virginia, the state of Illinois that, that actually put in their state constitution, we're going to dehumanize the fetus. And the fetus has no rights in our state. You see, they're the ones not compromising. They're the ones going all in. They're the ones saying in California, not only will we pay for your abortion with our tax dollars, we're going to fly you here. You know, so, so they act as if there's this, this terrible environment for those that want abortions. No, the reality is Amazon, Tesla, all these large, large corporations, Disney, are now putting into their insurance policies that if Roe is overturned, they're going to pay for their employees to go get abortions in other states if it's outlawed in the state that they live in. So, so it's not a terrible environment for abortion proponents. It's a great environment for them. They're not compromising, but yet we're expected to compromise every single time. Folks, we have to stand boldly for life, whether it be legislatively to the neighbor down the road or in our churches. It is worth the effort and time. We'll talk more when we come back. Look, there, there's a lot of conversations to be had, and, and I'm going to be covering a lot over the next few weeks. I mean, I can only fit so much in, in this time here. But but I did think it was important this week to look at everything that's been said over the past week about the leak uh, of the opinion from Alito. I think it's important to call out elected officials that refuse to stand uh, for Supreme Court justices that, that need uh, support, uh, that need security, uh, that their lives or their families' lives are in danger. They have... Uh, Granted, the Supreme Court justices took on the responsibility when they said yes to, to being named to the Supreme Court, uh, but they shouldn't be fearful of their lives. If we want to have a debate and if we want to argue and if we want to uh, look at facts and, and the numbers and court cases, then we should be able to do that. We, it is America after all, but, but these families should not be scared to go outside of their home. And Republicans and Democrats and independents and everyone in between should be able to agree at least on that. Some of these protests, some of what's been done and said is just demonic. It doesn't represent the broader society. It doesn't represent the broader culture. But it does represent the few that are willing to go and do anything. Literally anything to, to bring harm to those they disagree with. It's not okay when Republicans do it. And it's not okay when Democrats do it. It's not okay when communists do it. It's not okay when socialists do it. This is the United States of America, and we should call it out. You know, we're talking about numbers. 
There's an interesting number. There's a Brookings Institute uh, article that was written, I think, back in 2015, and they did some research on those that are that are choosing abortion. And just one highlight of, of what they looked at, and, and again, I'll, I'll try to connect all these uh, articles to the show notes when, when I post online, but um, a lot of people assume that it's just poor women that are choosing abortion. That's the assumption. Even when I talk to people about, hey, who, who's coming into hope? A lot of them just assume it's just poor women. They don't have financial means and they find themselves in a tough spot. Uh, the numbers say something much different. Single women who earn $47,000 plus a year abort 32% of their babies. Single women making $11,000 a year or less abort at 8% of their ba- abort 8% of their babies. So this is not about desperation and poverty. For some it may be. But again, when we have these discussions, when we have these back and forths, when we when we find ourselves in a debate, you're going to hear things like life of the mother, rape, incest. You're going to hear things like, well, they can't afford it. They don't have any money. They're in the poverty. They're they're below the poverty line. But again, the data doesn't match what they're saying. And the reason why they throw those numbers out is because they know the vast majority of the populace is not going to go look up the data. And if they're not going to go look up the data, then they can say whatever they want to say. Well, I'm giving you the data. And yes, every individual bears the image of God. So every individual, whether we're looking at data that represents thousands or not, when it's 0.001%, that 0.001% is still an image bearer of God. I believe that. But I also believe that the 3,000 babies that are aborted every single day, every single individual one of them, are made in the image of God. I can believe both of those things, and we need to make room for both of those things. And those that are finding themselves in difficult situations where they feel like the only thing, the only way out for them is an abortion, we need to show them another way. Because abortion is never the only way out. Abortion will stay with you for decades. You'll carry that burden with you for decades. How do I know that? Because I've talked to men and women that have carried the weight of that burden with them for decades. I mean, NBC News even put out an image over the weekend that that showed a 60-year-old woman saying it was the worst decision I ever made in my life. So, folks, these are conversations worth having. They're not worth having in the comment section on Facebook. They're not worth having on Twitter. You know, there's about 7% of the American population on Twitter. Yet, politicians act as if the entire country is on there. They're not. And then we have to be aware of what these places are doing. Places like, you know, everybody's been really happy. Everybody's been really happy that Elon is buying Twitter. Well, Elon came out over the weekend saying Tesla is going to pay for people to go get abortions if their state doesn't allow it. 
look, there's a lot of intricacies in this. This is, this is not easy. But we need to be aware of what's happening. You know, on, on the interview I did the other day on the local news, before they came to, to the segment where they were talking to me, there was a, an abortion proponent. And her quote was something to the effect of, hey, abortion's always been around, and it will always be around. So her argument, and I'm trying not to take her out of context, I'm trying to be respectful of, of where she finds herself, but her argument is, because something's always happened, and it will always happen, we shouldn't try to legislate it. Well, folks... That is not how we operate as a society or a country. You know, there were, there were people back in the day of slavery arguing with Lincoln when Lincoln was saying, look, slavery has to go. Like, this isn't the answer to the union. We can't be a one unified union if we allow for one segment of the population to enslave another segment of the population. And there were people that... They were arguing with him saying, look, slavery has always been around and slavery will always be around. It's a fixture of who we are. So shouldn't we at least make it safe? Like we can't get rid of it, but let's just make it safe. And, 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 but think about looking back now where we all look and say slavery was an atrocity. Think about how nonsensical it is to say, Look, slavery's always been around, and it will always be around, so let's just make the best of it. Are you kidding me? Would, would we find ourselves saying, look, drunk driving has always been around, and it will always be around, so why do we try to legislate it? Look, murder has always been around. It will always be around. There's no reason to pass legislation to try to curtail murder. Stealing has always been around. It will always be around. There's no reason to, to go to our legislative folks and say, hey, let's try to curtail stealing. No, that, that makes zero sense in a civilized society. Yet the, the best argument they can muster when it comes to abortion is it's always been around and it will always be around. That's nonsense. It's illogical. It doesn't represent a, a civilized society. It's crazy. Our abortion laws are in line with that of North Korea and China. The vast majority of Europe even have restrictions up to many of them 12 weeks to 15 weeks. Many of them in Europe are doing better on abortion than we are. Look, I'm all for being the shiny city on the hill that, that other countries look to. But if it means getting rid of and sacrificing the most vulnerable in our society, the babies in the womb, that's not a shiny city on a hill. It's like I said last week, that's the dark ages. And we should desire and want to be out of the dark ages. You know, there's a the piece over at NPR I'm not going to go into in great detail, but they talked about myths when it comes to abortion. And, and one of the myths they put out there was abortion is 
You know, pro-lifers will say abortion is unsafe, and that's a myth. It, they actually argue, NPR and others argue, that abortion is safer than having a baby. Now, what they're, what they're doing in that argument is they're looking at data. And look, I've looked at data today, and I think it's important. But what they're not taking into account is when pro-lifers say that abortion is unsafe, we don't just mean for the mom. Why is that? Because abortion is unsafe for the life that, that is being taken away via abortion. So, yeah, there are some side effects. Many women go to the hospital. Uh, some women have died in having abortions. But every successful abortion ends the life of a human. Did you hear me? So, so when, when we say it's unsafe, it's unsafe because 100% of successful abortions ends the life of a human. When a woman walks into an abortion clinic, there are two heartbeats present. When she walks out after a successful abortion, there's only one heartbeat present. So when we say it's unsafe, it's unsafe for the life they just took in the womb. That's what I mean when I say it's unsafe. We'll talk more when we come back. So I want to finish up today with a, with a piece over at National Review. Look, another thing that gets, that's being thrown around over the last week is ectopic pregnancies. And there's a lot of folks saying, well, if, uh, if, if Roe is overturned, then women are not going to be able to get uh, the care they need for an ectopic pregnancy. Um, again, that's not true. Um, and, and just to give you some context, in an ectopic pregnancy, a fertilized egg implants somewhere outside of the uterus, most commonly in the fallopian tube. In the absence of emergency treatment, ectopic pregnancies will cause severe and life-threatening health consequences for the mother because there isn't room for the child to develop. No pro-life person uh, that I'm aware of, and more to the point, no pro-life law that I'm aware of, would prohibit treatment for ectopic pregnancies. Indeed, pro-lifers don't consider such treatment to be abortion at all. And, and I'm going to show you that not only do pro-lifers not consider it to be abortion, Planned Parenthood doesn't consider it to be abortion. I'll talk about that here in a second. A direct abortion intentionally kills an un unborn human being. Treatment for an ectopic pregnancy, by contrast, intends to alleviate the health emergency for the mother by removing the improperly implanted zygote. The intended end of such treatment isn't to kill the child, but rather to save the mother's life. This moral distinction is essential. This view is reflected by the fact that before Roe, every pro-life state law had at least an exception for cases when mother's life was at risk. Ignoring this, abortion supporters now contend that overturning Roe will result in women dying from untreated ectopic pregnancies, claiming that pro-life laws will make it impossible for them to receive treatment. This simply isn't the case. Though some who advance this argument might merely be mistaken, the most cynical abortion supporters make this argument in contradiction to available facts because they want to put pro-lifers on defense rather than defend their own policy preference, unlimited abortion for any reason until the moment of birth. What's more, abortion supporters seem to care little about the health consequences of ectopic pregnancy in the case of chemical abortion. If a woman with an ectopic pregnancy takes chemical abortion drugs, she is likely to face significant and possibly life-threatening consequences. Abortion supporters now advocate allowing women to obtain chemical abortion drugs via telemedicine without seeing a doctor in person beforehand. 
increasing the likelihood that a woman might take these drugs without knowing she has an ectopic pregnancy. Thus far, Planned Parenthood and other advocacy groups have shown little concern about this possibility. Here's what Planned Parenthood says about ectopic pregnancy. Treating an ectopic pregnancy isn't the same thing as getting an abortion. This is straight from Planned Parenthood. Treating an ectopic pregnancy isn't the same thing as getting an abortion. Abortion is a medical procedure that, when done safely, ends a pregnancy that is in your uterus. Ectopic pregnancies are unsafely outside of your uterus, usually in the fallopian tube, and are removed with a medicine called uh, methotrexate or through a laparoscopic surgical procedure. Then listen to this. The medical procedures for abortion are not the same as the medical procedures for an ectopic pregnancy. That's straight from Planned Parenthood. So, so while they're arguing and saying, oh, well, if, if Roe is overturned, conservative states will make it where you can't get treatment for an ectopic pregnancy. And, and they're just being, they're doing that on purpose. And they're not being honest. Now, now, okay, if we want to assume the best of some people, maybe they're just mistaken. But the reality is even the abortion industry says that getting a treatment for ectopic pregnancy is not, is not the same thing as an abortion. You take different medication. It's a different procedure. Look, this is why knowledge matters. This is why data matters. This is why you have to understand if somebody throws some of these things at you in, a, in an argument or in a debate, many times they're doing it because they're trying to get you to trip up. The reality is most people, pro, pro-life or pro-abortion or somewhere in between, don't know any of this data. None of it. They couldn't tell you what an ectopic pregnancy is. They couldn't tell you what the, the percentages are when it comes to abortion. They couldn't tell you what type of folks are having abortions. They couldn't tell you any of the accurate information. They, they couldn't tell you that what it means if Roe is overturned. Because again, 60% of the populace believe that it outlaws abortion across the country, which it does not do. Hear me when I say that. Overturning Roe simply sends it back to the states. You need to know that. We stand for life because we believe it's a human. And it's the most vulnerable human in our society. And no one is standing for them. And as I talked about last week, if we are going to claim to be a progressive society, we can't end the life of the most vulnerable in our society. That is not being progressive. That's being regressive. That's being selfish. We must be better as the shiny city on the hill. Yeah, we should be the model for the world, but not when it comes to abortion. There's a lot of other countries doing much better than we are. And I pray that we're going to get there. We'll talk to you next week. 